glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Second Timothy chapter 2, Paul is giving Timothy instruction as to how to deal with people. Let me just say this, and we've dealt with this verse many times, so some of this is repetitious, but it is most difficult to watch people become their own opponent. That is most difficult. If you're a parent, you understand what I'm talking about. If you've taught people, again, if you've discipled people, pastored people, cared for people spiritually, um, you could talk to medical doctors and they could share the same sentiment that it's difficult to watch people be their greatest enemy. You say, well, say something like this. That person is their own worst enemy. And there's truth in that. Many times our own thoughts, our own ways of doing things self-destruct. That is the nature of sin. And we understand that our bodies are going to be destroyed. Inevitably, they're not, they're not going to go on. Our bodies are corrupted and have, are going to die. But spiritually speaking, I think one of the most burdensome things, I'll just be, I'll be open here for a second, the most burdensome things to me is to see the potential that we have, especially once you're saved. Because once you've been born again, everything you need for spiritual success is yours. You're not waiting to get that. You may have to grow in an understanding of what was given to you. It would be like someone who inherited great wealth from a, a family member who's been a pauper all their life, had nothing, and all of a sudden they inherited immense wealth, so much wealth you could not measure the, the, the amount of wealth. They could not spend it in a lifetime. That person, may it may take some time to learn how to use and acknowledge and, and appreciate what they were given, but the moment that that inheritance becomes theirs, it's theirs. Now, you and I, the, the fullness of that will be ours once we get a new body. That's going to be the final, the final thing when we're in eternity with our Lord. We get a new body. We're in our glorified state. But may I say what is ours in Christ, it's ours. The moment God saved you, the moment you came to faith in Jesus Christ through the Word of God, as we heard in Sunday school, God gave you a place in His family that is eternal. We are sealed by the Spirit under the day of redemption. You are indwelt by the Spirit. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We've been given in Christ all righteousness, sanctification, wisdom, honor. All these things are ours in Jesus Christ. All the wisdom you need after you've been saved to live a life of eternal value, it's ours. So to see that potential not recognized either in my own life, or in the, and there's a growth. I don't mean there's not a growth process. There is. But to see us veer off of God's will for our lives into some distractionary purpose that our adversary has, has laid out for us and to see us miss God's call on a life or see us miss the opportunity to serve Him as we could have and should have is a very disheartening thing. Now, I believe that boils down to our choices. I believe this with all my heart. You can be a, a truly born-again person Die and spend eternity with God, but waste your entire Christian life on earthly things. That's born out in the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You can have a foundation of faith in Jesus Christ and build on that foundation with wood, hay, and stubble. And so the, the, the bulk of this message is going to be geared this morning toward those of you who know you've been saved. You've come to that place of personal trust in Jesus Christ. You are trusting Him to save you, not trusting you to save you trusting Jesus Christ to save you, knowing who you have believed and persuaded that he's able to keep you. You're trusting in him or perhaps, uh, again, you could be here this morning, someone that is either not assured of salvation or never been saved. If that's the case, don't get snared by a false gospel. Don't believe in some works-based salvation. And I pray the message can help you if this morning if you're unsaved. But the, the bulk of this message is for those of us who are saved. And the desire is to see us to be healthier spiritually, stronger spiritually, victorious in spiritual conflict, and faithful in Christian service. That's the desire. What happens is Satan does not want that. Everything God wants, Satan opposes. Satan opposes the salvation of the lost. He opposes uh, them coming to the place of getting freed from their sin through the forgiveness of their sins that's in Christ Jesus. He opposes the spiritual growth if you're saved. He opposes holiness in your life. He opposes God's will for your service in his life. 
uh, in your life. He opposes all of that. He wants to, he is a thief and a liar and a robber according to the word of God. So he wants to rob you. If he cannot rob you of eternity with God, he wants you to rob you of the eternal treasure you'll have uh, through serving the Lord. And so with all of that in mind, let's consider this subject of snares. Again, Second Timothy chapter 2, Paul instructing Timothy about how to minister to people who are snared by the devil. The Bible says in verse 24, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. In meekness, instructing who? Those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. And here it is. This is what brings us to this text this morning, verse 26. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. I've been reading through the book of Jeremiah. I'm about to finish. In the book of Jeremiah... I normally couple my Old Testament reading with New Testament reading so I don't get depressed, especially if you're in Jeremiah and Lamentations and Ezekiel. It's just the truth. God's people are being chastened. They're being judged for their sin. Yet in the book of Jeremiah, one of the things that happens in the book of Jeremiah is a number of false prophets rise up. If I'm not mistaken, one of them was named Hananiah, and he told the people that the captivity in Babylon is going to be short. Now, I don't know about you, 70 years is not short. He said within the year, you're going to be back in the land, your, your vessels from your temple are going to be restored. Basically, everything's going to be life back to normal. He prophesied to them, don't believe... Jeremiah was prophesying a, a contradictory message. Jeremiah said, build houses in the land, plant gardens in the land. It's going to be a long captivity. 70 years, and that was based on God's judgment. For every year and every Sabbath, they'd refuse to let the land rest. God says, you're going to stay in the land of Babylon until the land gets its rest. The land is due 70 years of rest, and you're going to be gone until it gets it because God's law had been violated, and God is a God of justice and judgment. God had a reason why he said 70 years. Jeremiah preached that, and an eye of the prophet comes along. No, 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 don't believe Jeremiah. Don't go build houses. Don't have gardens. And he caused the people to believe a lie. When they believed that lie, guess what they didn't do? They didn't submit to the captivity. They didn't follow the counsel of God's word because they didn't believe, they believed the wrong message. The lie snared them into a life of disobedience. They believed something to be the will of God that was not the will of God. That was both the false prophet's part and their part. They were both responsible. The false prophet, God killed the false prophet. Two false prophets, God killed. There was another leader came along, another prophet came along prophesied the opposite of Jeremiah. No, we're going to conquer the Babylonians. It's all going to be good. We're going to succeed. And he caused them to believe a lie. And what you'll find throughout Jeremiah is that the people of God rebelled against God because they believed a lie. That's what 2 Timothy 2 is talking about. And the more they believed the lie, the more they disobeyed God and the more they incurred God's judgment. And even so it is, understandably today, the church is not the nation of Israel, but the principles are the same that Satan uses lies. And when he gets us to believe a lie, we make our decisions based on that lie and thereby get in trouble. Satan snares us into a false path and we get stuck there out of God's will. And if a person's not come to faith in Christ for salvation and they're still believing my good works are going to redeem me, the best thing can happen to them is for the light to be turned on, them to realize your good works cannot redeem you with God. You cannot overcome your sins by doing good. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can deal with your sins and let God set you free from the false religion that has you on a path, not to heaven, but a path to hell. For the child of God who's been saved, you're no longer on the path to hell, but you could be on a path of shame at the judgment seat through a snare. So let's consider, I want to consider four things this morning, and again, different kind of a message, so bear with me, and if you can't keep up with going through the text, then by all means, try to write them down, so that you can go back and check those uh, as you have time, but as much as you can, if you can keep up with me as we go through these texts, I, I will not read, I don't plan on reading all of these verses, but enough to demonstrate the picture of a snare, and how this practically relates to us this morning, and then what does our response need to be uh, in, in light of what God gives us today? So here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, there's much said and understood about the spiritual application. When God uses a snare, he's speaking metaphorically, of course. He is using 
a physical picture to help us understand the spiritual truth. God still works that way today. It's why this is in the Bible. And so if we look at a snare, what a snare is, if anybody's done any trapping, we know there are such things as snare traps. I watched a very interesting video uh, a couple of weeks ago. It was a, a wolf trapper, and I don't know where he's from. It was a wolf trapper, and he accidentally got a six-foot bear instead of a wolf in his trap. He was not allowed to eliminate that bear, so he had to release it. <laughs> now, how would you like to do that? But I guarantee you, he did not have that trap set uh, so that he could go and tame a wolf. Anybody from North Idaho that sets a trap for a wolf has one thing in mind. That is its demise. Will we agree? When you watch that video, that bear is snared by just its left foot, and it was not happy. Now, I'll say this. Didn't kill the bear. And the man did, the man did right. He, he worked and worked and worked until he got that bear released. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. He used ratchet straps. Some of you may have seen the video I'm talking about. He did all kinds of things. Got that bear out of that trap. And after the bear was free, it just stood there. It had been snared long enough. It didn't know it was free. There are so many applications of that. I'm just using it to say a snare trap works by being set in an unsuspecting place. How in the world do you get an animal that, that, for we who are hunters, animals are smarter than us nine times out of ten. So how do you get an animal that's savvy and looking out for itself on a regular basis to keep itself safe and alive instinctively How do you get it to be dumb enough to step in something where it can't keep moving and live freely? You either have to know that animal well enough, know its habits well enough to lay your snare in its habitual places or you have to lure it to the snare. A snare is intended to snag you until the hunter can come back and finish you. It is intended to stop you from, to to rob you of your freedom to make wise choices Healthy, safe choices that will keep you alive and flourishing until the person that set the trap can come and do what the intent was in the first place. It's intended to stop you long enough until the predator that wants to kill you can get his hands on you and do it. And the Bible says one of the things that Satan uses, that's what it says here, he takes us captive at his will, meaning he decides when and where and how he's going to snag you hold you captive, keep you from being on the path of God's will for your life. He does it at his will, and he works. He uses what the Bible calls a snare, a trap, something to grab hold of you and to stop you from making decisions you ought to make. I want to ask you this morning, if you want to identify, am I snared, when was the last time you made a personal decision in direct response to the word of God and you were able to follow through with it? The last time you made a decision based on the Word of God, meaning God's Word showed you the direction you should take, and you said, that's, I know what I should do. You did it, and you were able to follow through. What happened is many times we have a thought process that when we start to go forward in the will of God, something we think takes us back to where we were. Some habit of life we're in, some some way, and that thought, and I don't want to get too too too... We're not trying to be psychological, but that thought that takes me back to where I've been before of disobedience and disobedience, that thing I think is generally where the lie is at. We've got a lie that keeps us thinking, I need to do this for my own happiness. I need to do this. It's, there's really nothing wrong. Many times we have something in our life, it's harmless. And that very belief that what we are defending is harmless is the lie we've swallowed so we continue to engage in a harmless activity that keeps us right where we are. It does not keep us moving forward in the will of God. And so the likeness of a snare we see in 2 Timothy 2, you can see the design. If you're taking notes this morning, the design of a snare is seen right here. The design of a snare is to detain you. That's what we've been saying, is to detain you. When you set a snare for an animal... That animal is savvy. He knows how to navigate the woods. He knows how to navigate out in the open far better than a human. So a human says, I'm going to outwit him. If I can't catch him, I've got to detain him. And the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Here, this devour is likened to a hunter that sets a snare, and the design of a snare is to detain you, to keep you in the same place. So again, let's make this analogy. Spiritual progress is making... The spiritual walk is this. Every step is a decision. 
Every decision of faith is a step in the Christian life. And if you're not consistently stepping by faith, very likely you're detained. Something has snagged you and kept you where you are in your development of spiritual knowledge, spiritual virtue. Remember what the Bible says, add your faith virtue into virtue knowledge into knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness charity. These things being you in a bound, you'll, you'll lack nothing the Bible says. So the question would be, is that what's happening? Is there spiritual progress? Are you taking steps of obedience? After you received the Lord as your Savior, you took a step of trusting the Lord enough to obey Him in baptism and to symbolize through that baptism what He had done for you when He saved you. At some point in time, you took the step of obedience and faith to say, you know what, I'm saved. I need to ingest the Word of God. You begin reading your Bible. begin praying. Maybe you made the step, the decision, I am going to stop telling lies in my life. I've been telling lies to keep myself out of trouble or telling lies to get ahead at work. And you said, the Word of God has convicted me. I still use lying as a means of speech for my own personal protection. And God showed you perhaps that's something the Lord's not pleased with. And you made a decision. I'm going to be the right kind of employee. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to be honest on my timesheet. You go down the line, a host of decisions we make by faith. But what happens sometimes is Satan lures us out of the will of God, the path of righteousness. Psalm 23, 4, he leads us in the paths of righteousness for his sake. And over here is an appealing path. And it may not quite be right, but boy, it sure is appealing. And I step off of right decisions of faith and obedience, and I start making decisions of lust, pride, and I get off the path of life and I start following my own passions, my own lust, and this is how snare works. And wherever I left the path of God's will is where I took one step toward the path of a snare. You will never, ever find a snare in the will of God. You'll never find a snare in, in the path of God's will which is made and brought to light through the Word of God. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You'll never make a step of obedience and get snared. It's when we make a step of disobedience, it's when we veer off from the revealed will of God through His Word that we get in trouble. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. So the design of a snare, it detains us, it disables us. A snare can do great damage to you. It won't kill you. The snare itself is not designed to kill. The snare simply detains, but it damages you. Many people have been released from a snare and had a, a, a limp spiritually for years to come. They, they got off of God's will and got hung up somewhere in some sin in their life, some place where God never intended them to be. They stepped out of the path of honesty. They stepped out of the path of humility, stepped out of the path of obedience to God and stepped into a snare of the devil, believing that some path was okay that God never intended us to walk. And as they come out of that, they're like Jacob after wrestling with the angel, walk with a spiritual limp. For the rest of their days, because a snare damages you. It detains you. It damages you. It disables you. So disabling means you may want to do God's will. You may want to take the next step, but you're hung up. You're believing something over here that won't allow you to get back on the right path. You say, I see I'm supposed to be living my life this way, but I'm over here living this way. I don't understand. I'm not where I'm supposed to be spiritually. It's because you're in a snare. You've accepted something that did not come from the Word of God. It may have come from your own fleshly reasoning. It may have come from satanic doctrine. Who knows? But the fact is it disables us. It stops us. We've already dealt with all this. I'm just giving you the words to articulate. That's exactly exactly what Paul is talking about with Timothy here. There are those who've been taken captive by Satan, by the devil, at his will, and they oppose themselves. What happens? When you try yanking out of a snare... That bear I talked about, every time he yanked, you know what he's doing to himself? Opposing himself. He became his own worst enemy. He had, every time he pulled, every time he pulled, trying in his own strength and power, that snare was, was, was set and put in place because it knew the strength of the, of the animal that would be inside of it. And it was set in such a way that the strength of the animal that snared in is not enough to get out. The only way to get out of a snare is someone other than yourself has to release you. You cannot self-release from a snare. That's the point. It disables you. It it hinders you. And the more you fight it, the more it damages you. You become your own worst enemy. It detains. It disables. It damages. It distresses. Again, we refer to the video. You see an animal in a snare. They're not happy. 
may, may I say this? And we'll be, we'll be accurate with the application, but it's the Spirit of God told us about a snare. Some of the most frustrated people on planet Earth today are some of God's sheep who quit following their shepherd, followed their instincts, and got in a snare. They got, they got caught up in believing something, some idea, some thought, some philosophy that's not truth. And the more and the harder they try to get out, the more anguish they're in. Lost people today are really not some of the most... They are some miserable, unsaved people. But I know some people that are stuck in a lie of the devil, and they are, they are very, very distressed people. It results in loss of joy, loss of peace because of the pain, because of the affliction, because of the, the bondage that you're in and cannot get out of. There would be those that would teach, well, if you're saved, you can't get snared. Second Timothy chapter 2 would go fly right in the face of that. You can be snared as a saved. You are a person who Christ is your shepherd. You are his sheep, but you did not practically follow his will for your life and ended up somewhere you never planned to be. And so then, we're just talking about what the design of a snare is in general. It detains, disables, damages, distresses. Ultimately, then, what does it do? Destroys. It holds you long enough for the one who wants to kill you to come back and get it done. He's going to come check his trap lines every few days. He's going to come back and find out, who do I have snared that I can finish? We've all watched families get destroyed. And it did not start when that family decided to quit church. It started when that family decided to start taking a gently different direction than the Word of God lays out. And then it ends over here in a trap and where, where we might think, well, I don't, you know, I don't want to be nitpicky. We just need to follow the light of God's Word. And we'll get, again, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but the design of a snare is to detain, to disable, to damage, distress, and ultimately destroy. That is the effect, if you would, of what a snare does. And the Spirit of God says the devil lays snares for us to trap us, and uh, and so then we need to be aware of that. Second Timothy chapter two there. Now number two, we not only see the design of a snare, but the Word of God helps us see how the snare is deployed. How many how many um, how many of a, a, a trapper? I've, I've talked to a number of guys who trap wolves, and they are meticulous about scent cover, about noise, about distressing or disturbing an area. Wolves are brilliant creatures. They're, they're intelligent. And the more you can respect that, the wiser you'll be. And I'm not a trapper, but I've talked to guys who do trap how, about how deep you're going to anchor the stake of your snare, uh, whatever kind of snare you're using, it's a foot trap or whatever, how deep you're going to anchor that so he can't pull it away, about covering your scent when you go out. Why is that? About concealing the trap. If you're going to set a trap, the best thing to do is paint it a bright color, put human scent all over it so the animal... It doesn't matter. They're stupid. They'll step in it. No, the idea of the the deployment of a snare is it is done secretly. The devil is not going to announce to you, now this is the trap I'm setting for your life. This is what's going to happen. Uh, There's a job over here that's going to get you to have to consistently disobey God. There is a a man or a woman over here that's going to draw you into sin. And you're going to think, this is harmless. This is not a problem. Uh, There is some um, some hobby or something in your life over here. And I'm going to use it to distract you from the will of God. He doesn't announce it and say, put big flashing colors on it. This is to snare you. No, he conceals it. Meaning you're not going to see the snare of the devil until after you're in it. That's when you realize you're snared. You well, preacher, that's discouraging. No, I have an answer at the end. God's Word has an answer. There's only one, one way to stay out of the snares of the devil. And you think, I'm savvy enough to recognize them. I'll just kind of walk where I please and I'll know. No, they're laid secretly. Our enemy does not give a heads up. There's where the snare is. And so uh, look, if you would, at Psalm 64, verse 5. Psalm 64. And again, for time's sake, I'm going to try to go through these fairly quickly. I have them here in my notes. So when I get them, I'll go ahead and read them. But Psalm 64, verse 5, speaking of his enemies, David says, they encourage themselves in an evil matter. They commune of laying snares, and the next word is privily. Privily. They commune of laying snares privily. They say, who shall see them? The idea is the deployment of a snare is done secretly. It's not done openly. It's in the secret. Psalm 142, verse 3 says this, When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I walked, have they 
privily laid a snare for me. uh, Our enemy and the enemies of God do not openly lay snares for us, these traps to detain us and disable us and distress and destroy us. No, they're laid secretly. Number two, they are laid strategically. Psalm 145, uh, Psalm 140, verse 5, Psalm 140, verse 5. The proud have hit a snare for me and cords. They have spread a net by the wayside. They have set gins for me, a selah. So the idea of setting a net by the wayside, there is strategy in the snares that are set. God, Satan is not going to set the same kind of snare for a 20-year-old young man as he is for a 40-year-old young man. He's not going to set the same kind of a snare for a young lady as he is an aged woman, but know this, he's setting snares. He knows what appeals to us, what attracts us away from the will of God. He knows what gets us to begin treating the will of God like something I don't have to or necessarily need to be doing. I don't really necessarily need to follow the counsels of the Lord. They are there for my help, but there's a little variance out of the will of God is okay and acceptable. And he knows how to get us veering off of the path of life as God's word goes. And so they're laid strategically. As I studied on snares years ago, I got to study where where are they put. And often it it will be put, of course, near a feeding or watering place. But it is said what a good trapper will do is know that the animal often, in going to where it feeds or waters, is going to take the path of what? Least resistance. The downhill path of least resistance, and that snare is set in the path of least resistance. Don't miss the wisdom of that. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leadeth unto righteousness, and few there be that find it. Straight does not necessarily mean, in that instance, not curvy. Straight means extremely narrow. Extremely narrow. Let me ask you something. Is it easier to walk a path? Uh, You hunters, help me here this morning. Is it easier to walk a two-track logging road that has been used in the last year or an elk trail going up through the middle of a, of a hill? You tell me which one's easier. That, that, that two-track logging road's a lot easier. That's why that's where most of the hunters are. You want to find the animals, leave it and go some other place. It's a little harder to climb, right? The, the Bible makes it clear God's will for your life is not going to be broad. It's not going to be easy necessarily to see. You have to pay attention. You have to have a light to see it. You're going to have to be, you have to be paying attention. You're going to be listening to the voice. Really, the way is Him. All you got to do is stay close enough to Him. You hear His voice. He's the way. You don't even have to know how to navigate other than just listen to your shepherd, follow His voice, and you'll stay on the right path. What happens is He starts leading us in places we would rather not go. They're dark. They're narrow. They're straight. They're, they're on the edge of a crevice. And we say, man, what happens if I fall and some other path looks easier and we take the path of least resistance? And that's where you'll find the snare. The snare is found in the place where we are known to frequent the path of least resistance. They are laid strategically by our adversary. So snares are put out secretly. Not, uh, they're not advertised. They're strategically placed in places that Satan wishes to lure us toward down those paths of least resistance. And of course, in all of this, they are deployed and laid out for us sadistically. The ones who lay them are not your friends. Satan is seeking intentionally to destroy. He is seeking intentionally to keep the person who has not yet come to personal faith in Jesus Christ from ever doing so. He is a deceiver, a liar, a murderer, a thief. God calls him all these things. And Satan uses snares, spiritual snares in our life to prevent us if he cannot keep us from the life that God has for us, from an abundant life that brings glory to God. You see, if one of God... You know what I believe Satan does, and I don't have a verse to back this up, just the context of Scripture. I believe he loves to snare one of God's sheep, have them stuck where they're... By the way, if you're in a snare, you can't go eat. Your shepherd is not going to have you in green pastures if you're in a snare. And I believe Satan loves to get you snared, lets you get starved half to death, losing weight on the verge of death, then shine a light on you, point at you and say, so this is how the good shepherd treats his sheep? Look at this emaciated, half-dead sheep. You telling me? And he makes sure he hides the snare that he set. And he uses you and me and our snared lives to discredit our Savior. And if there's no other reason to follow the voice of our Savior, it is for His name's sake. You and I, if we do not follow the voice of our shepherd, we become an example of Satan to discredit the name of our good Savior. 
You'll never see a half-dead, emaciated sheep who is walking in step with his shepherd. Only those who are in snares. And so then, uh, it's deployed secretly, strategically, sadistically. Psalm 38, verse 12 says this, uh, They also that seek after my life lay snares for me. And they that seek my hurt speak mischievous things uh, and, and imagine eve deceits all the day long. I read this morning in my daily Bible reading in Proverbs 7 of the strange woman. The Bible says she hunts for the precious soul. And the Bible will speak of her in Proverbs 7, 23 uh, and the effect she has on the life of the young man, the young foolish man that she snares till a dart strike through his liver as a bird hasteth to the snare and knoweth not that is for her life. May I say this? There are people today, saddens me, but they're servants of Satan. The Bible talks about the strange woman and the evil man in the book of Proverbs, the wicked man whose sole intent is to destroy the lives of people. Young people, you need to listen to what I'm preaching to you this morning. There are humans in this life who are servants of Satan. God can save them as well, but they are servants of Satan and their sole intent is to get a life snared in sin and destroy it. They're wolves, the Bible calls them. Many of them uh, this morning are behind pulpits, wolves in sheep's clothing. And the fact of the matter is they're setting snares to trap those that they wish to destroy. So we see the design of a snare is to detain, disable, damage, distress, and destroy. The deployment of a snare is done secretly, strategically, and sadistically. Number three, the danger of a snare. By this, I want to name some things that snare us. So we can get our antenna up. Some things the Bible says clearly, this will snare you. So these are the things that snare us. Number one, false worship or idolatry. False worship this morning, we, we would think of Hinduism or Shintoism or Buddhism, and certainly all that is false worship. I think those folks are just a little more honest and open about their idolatry than we are in America. Our, our, our idols come in the form of plastic cards and green bills and houses and cars and toys and trinkets and all the things... Because I want you to think about this. Who are we supposed to look to to sustain our life, to secure us? Jesus Christ. But if I trust money to do that more than Christ, I'm an idolater. If I seek money before I seek the mind of Christ, I have idolatry in my life. If I think that it is money that it will keep me safe, if I think that it is money that will make me happy because it will secure the things that bring me joy, if I think that money is the answer instead of Jesus Christ, I have idolatry. And idolatry is a snare because here's what happens. You chase it and you don't ever get enough. You get a taste for it and you want more. You get more and you want to keep what you have. When you keep what you have, then you need more. Because what you have never satisfies your soul. You get a taste of it. It's what lures you into the snare of the devil. And you can live 40 years of your life pursuing something that is alive from the onset. The Bible says there's thorns that get into our heart and crowd the Word of God out. And they are uh, the cares of this life, the pleasures of this life, and the deceitfulness of riches. Those three things Jesus identifies as a thorn and I believe would double as a snare, meaning what happens is we give our heart to these things. I, I really want pleasure in my life, and so we pursue sin, and there's pleasure in sin for a season. So we, when the season ends, we pursue more sin, and that pleasure ends, we pursue more sin. And all along, God's trying to speak to us, but we're so busy giving our heart to pleasures in this life, we don't have time for the Word of God. The other thing is the, is the, is the cares of this life. Well, I want to make sure that I stay safe. I can preach here for a little bit. I want to make sure that I stay safe. I've got to be healthy. I've got to preserve my life. If I don't, what's going to happen to me? I might get diseased. We might be in, a, in an accident. We might, who knows what, my goodness, we might have, and we've never heard of it, we might have a tornado in Bonner's Ferry this afternoon and destroy this. We better hunker down. I'm going to tell you something. Once you let that mentality come in of I've got to secure my life, and the best way to do that is make sure you have enough money so you can have a good retirement, enough money. And I'm not against some of the things I'm telling you about right now, but if I have confidence that a retirement fund is going to keep me safe in my old age or uh, that my insurance is going to keep me safe someday, got news for you, money is not what's going to give us security. The Bible says the pleasures of this life and the cares of this life are thorns in our heart. And these are the things that Satan uses to snare us. False worship, idolatry. And then in the middle of those two thorns is the deceitfulness of riches. You know what riches will do? It will bring you all the pleasure you want. 
But that's not true. If you've ever known somebody that has extreme large amounts of wealth, you've met people that are not satisfied. They may be nice, but they're not content. Would you agree? The only people in the world that can truly be content are saved people. Because we know we have the answer for eternity. The deceitfulness of riches says money will bring you all the pleasure your heart desires, and it's not true. If you had enough money to go to Disneyland or Disney World every time you had a hankering to and could take off work and afford to, it still wouldn't satisfy your hunger for pleasure because there's always a hunger for more. Money also says, you know what, it'll take care of the things you worry about. Money is the answer for health. Question, is it? You worry about your children, do better in the next generation. Money's the answer for education. Money is the answer for everything, but it's not. I mean, I say this, praise God, we can give money to missions, but money is not the answer for missions. The power of the Holy Spirit of God is the answer for missions. And then the other will take care of itself. My point to you this morning is this. The Bible warns us of worshiping false gods, meaning giving our heart in love and trust to someone other than the Lord Jesus Christ, who is Jehovah God in the flesh. The, the Lord is to have our heart. We are to trust Him. We are to fear Him. We are to reverence Him. We are to love Him. We are to obey Him. Uh, Jesus said, you cannot serve God and mammon. Why did He say it that way? Because that's the way it is. You'll either serve the one and hate the other, love the one and cling to him and despise the other, but you cannot serve God and mammon because every form of idolatry, what do we plate idols with in foreign lands? What do they plate it with? The thing that they really worship, silver and gold and uh, the, 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 the ability of mankind. And so false worship. I'm going to give you a couple of verses on this. Exodus 23 33, they shall not dwell in thy land. Talking about the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, all those enemies. They shall not dwell in thy land lest they make thee sin against me. For if thou serve their gods, little g, it will surely be a snare unto thee. May I say this, many a Christian has missed their opportunity to serve God by preferring money ahead of God. Matthew 6, 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things should be added unto you. Many a young person has missed God's will for their life, been snared for years on end, because they pursued pleasure instead of righteousness. Because we pursued security in this life rather than treasure in the next one to come. Amen? Idolatry. You say, can a Christian commit idolatry? You better believe it. Absolutely. That's why we're warned. John, in his last words to those he wrote to in First John was, Little children, flee from idolatry. Flee from idolatry, meaning stay away from it. Don't trust in something God created more than you trust in Him. God is well able to meet our needs. False worship is a snare. Psalm 106, verse 36, and we'll move along after this to the next point. Psalm 106, 36, And they served their idols, which were a snare unto them. So the, uh, the danger of a snare, false worship is a snare. Foolish words are a snare. How many times have we said something and it bound us, bound us to something that hindered us from serving God. Some would say, well, God is, God is sovereign, and you can't thwart His will. You can prevent and hinder God. That's in the Bible. How many of us know that? The Bible says that the nation of Israel, they limited the Holy One of Israel by their idolatry, by their distrust. Proverbs chapter 6, uh, verse 2, talking about, being surety for a friend, we would call this co-signing today. It's not a message about this, but here's what happens. My son, verse 1, If thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. And do this now, my son, and deliver thyself when thou art come into the hand of thy friend. Go humble thyself and make sure of thy friend. I mean, just try to be practical. How many have ever seen God working in someone's life to do something that they know they should do and they are tied to a contract that they've made. They have made some kind of a contract. God is urging them to serve the Lord in some way and they say, I can't. I gave my word in this, whether it's a contract on a home or some other, some other earthly dealing. And snare with the words of our mouth, meaning we speak hastily, we speak foolishly without giving thought to where is this going to end? What am I tying myself to that I can't get free from when it's time to serve God? When it's time for God, I believe this, we need to stay free enough that when the Lord says go, we don't have things earthly binding us from obeying Him. 
Otherwise, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2, the beginning of that chapter where we read the end today, no man that warreth entangleth himself in the affairs of this life. Why? That he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. We get snared by saying things, committing ourselves, making foolish uh, 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 foolish commitments with our mouth that somebody's going to hold us to. And so then that's what Proverbs 6.2 is all about. Foolish words snare us. Proverbs chapter 12. Sometimes we say something, we can't retract it. Sometimes we've damaged some, some part of our testimony by something we say and it snares us. The Bible says in Proverbs 12, 13, talking about the wicked, the wicked is snared by the transgression of his lips, but the just shall come out of trouble. Talking about our words can be a snare to us. Proverbs 18, verse 7, very similar words are given. Proverbs 18, verse 7, the Bible says, A fool's mouth is his destruction and his lips are the snare of his soul. Why, well, I tell you what, in an age where you can go, Tick, 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 send. You can tie yourself down to a position you'll never get free from by simply being foolish with our words. We need to be careful with what we say. We get snared with the words of our mouth. Number three, froward ways will snare us. So false worship, idolatry, foolish words, binding ourselves with our mouths and holding ourselves to things that are not according to God's will and way. And in froward ways, Proverbs chapter 20, and I'm going to, again, try to move a little more quickly. Proverbs 20, verse 25, the Bible says, It is a snare to the man who devoureth that which is holy and after vows to make inquiry. Meaning, he rushes ahead, disregard for holy things, makes some vows, and then says, Have I done what was right? Can I, can I give an illustration here? What is the first, when I say vows, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Marriage vows. Is, is marriage holy? Don't inquire about your marriage vows after you got married. Inquire ahead of time. Inquire ahead of time. Am I doing the will of God here? Is this, is this the direction God wants me to go? How many a person has been snared by making vows? They devoured marriage by foolishness, by foolish living outside of marriage, fornication, and then they say, well, here we go. They make vows, and then they make inquiry. Well, I wonder if I married the right person. little late now to ask. You with me? It's, it's, it's a snare. There are those who have limited what God can do with their life by the wrong mate, by choosing the wrong mate. There are those who've, who've been handicapped by that. Now, i got hope for you in this message. Don't lose me here. Because there are people that they say, Ah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Whether in this room or someone that listens later, God can help and deliver and redeem what's left of our lives. But the fact of the matter is, it's not in the Bible, but an ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure. That principle is there. Wouldn't it be better to stay out of a snare than to get one in one and have to get out? It is foolish. Proverbs twenty twenty five. It is a snare to the man who devoureth that which is holy and after vows to make inquiry. And so then it's better to inquire ahead of time before you devour something holy and make vows about it. Proverbs 22, verse, uh, verse 5. The Bible says, thorns and snares are in the way of the froward. A froward means someone who's perverse with disregard to the things of God. Froward, he that doth keep his soul shall be far from them. So the froward person who doesn't guard their soul is going to end up in a snare. We're talking about froward ways. Disregarding God's word, disregarding God's will, going your own way is going to snare you. So we find that froward ways are a snare to us. Proverbs 29, verse 6 in Proverbs 29, verse 8, the Bible says in verse 6, In the transgression of an evil man there is a snare, but the righteous doth sing and rejoice. Verse 8, Scornful men, scornful men bring a city into a snare, but wise men turn away wrath. Scornful men, men who disregard instruction, correction. May I say this, and especially, and we'll move on a minute, to every young person in this room. If you can get a conviction in your life right now based on the Word of God that when someone loves me enough that's an authority in my life to correct me, I'm not going to bristle, buck, and push back. I'm going to listen. I've said this, and I believe it's borne out in the Word of God. A fool can learn from no one, but a wise man can even learn from a fool. And that's true. Be the wise person that doesn't scorn reproof that doesn't scorn judgment it becomes a snare because when we are a scorner we say things we shouldn't say and we devour that which is holy and then afterward we make vows no no 
we need not be froward in our ways. I'll give you a couple more here about the danger. We'll be bringing this to a close shortly. Uh, false worship is a snare. Loving something other than God and serving it. Foolish words are a snare. Froward ways are a snare. Friendship with the wicked is a snare. Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22, uh, the Bible says in verse um, 20. Let me go back. I'm going to turn to this because I'm going to read the verses around it. Proverbs chapter 22, I believe we want verses 24 and 25. Proverbs 22, 24 and 25. The Bible says in verse 24, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. This goes right along with 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Now, I believe we, we can be and should be kind to as many people as we possibly can. How many know there's a difference between being kind to someone and making friendship with someone? Making friendship is finding companionship and fellowship and agreement and support in someone. God says, don't do that. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Let me just hit on this while we're here. There was a time when when you preached about this, you had to talk about people's schoolmates and mates at church. Now we have to talk about... Who is your friend on your radio and who is your friend on your phone and who is your friend on your television if you have one? You have to talk about how we become friends with the wicked. It's not simply by meeting someone in person. You can become a friend of the wicked simply through a screen. Make no friendship with the wicked. Make no friendship with an angry man because we'll learn his ways and learn to be like him. And then it's a snare to us. And so then friendship with the wicked is a snare. Fleshly wantonness is a snare. When we cannot say no to our appetites, friend, we're going to get snared. It doesn't matter whether you're trapping mice, catching fish, or trapping wolves. The tactic is always the same. Put something in front of them they have an appetite for and cannot say no to, and you'll get them. If you're a fisherman, and I am not, I, I, I cast lines in the water and bring nothing out. <laughs> I'm not very good at it. But if you are, and you're casting your line, and they're not, they're not hitting what you're throwing, you tell me what you do. Change your bait. Find out what they have an appetite for and feed it to them. Now listen to me now this morning. The Bible says, Paul said, Know ye not that they which run a race run all, but one receives the prize, so run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly so find I, not as one that beateth my, the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest there be any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. It doesn't mean he lost his salvation. It means useless in the service of God. Paul believed he could be useless for God. How? By not learning to tell his own self no in obedience to God. That's the fruit of the Spirit. You cannot work that up in your fleshly willpower. But if we have the command of God that says stay away from that, we should be able to say no, you're not going to have that. Here's what I'm trying to say in Proverbs 7.23. I read it earlier that the strange woman, you can read the account. It's in my reading this morning. She stands in, in the street and she finds the simple one going on his way and she uses flattering words in the attire of an harlot to appeal to the appetite of that young man and he cannot say no to her. She forced him with the words of her mouth, the Bible says. Forced him. Meaning she got him to do something he would never do, but she forced him because of his appetite. And we are an appetite-driven culture, whether it's for the, the wickedness that's on a screen or whether it's for our own fleshly, physical appetite, for food, whoever it may be. We, if thou be a man given to appetite, put a knife to thy throat. Meaning if we cannot say no when it's time to say no under the direction of God's Word, we're going to end up in a snare. And so then, and I believe God gives us ways to grow in this, in His Word, to grow in temperance. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. And so then, fleshly wantonness, 1 Timothy 6, 9, the Bible talks about the love of money destroying people. It says, listen closely to how this says this, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. I'll preach this till my face turns blue. It is a sin for Christians to seek to build wealth. That's Bible. They that will be rich. Almost every Christian finance program you have here is going to tell you how to build earthly wealth. If God gives you wealth, praise God for it and use it for His glory. That's what 1 Timothy 6 goes on to say. Be ready to distribute. But the Bible says, labor not to be I think I need to back up and preach this some more. I'm flying right in the face of our culture. I'm not. God's Word is. God says, don't make getting rich your goal. You'll fall in a snare. 
Now, if you work according to God's principles and he gives you riches, Abraham was rich, but I don't believe getting rich was ever Abraham's goal. Read your Bible. Obeying God was Abraham's goal and God made him rich. It's not a sin to be rich, not a sin to have riches. If it were, most of us would be in sin according to that because compared to the rest of the world, we're rich. But the Bible says, they that will be rich fall into a snare. Now, why would we preach against this? Because there's a snare in it. You'll end up leaving God's will to get rich. Just be in God's will. Let Him take care of your needs. And so then fleshly wantonness will cause us to fall into a snare. Fearful worry will cause us to be in a snare. The fear of man bringeth a snare. But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. I'll tell you what, if you want a theme for 2020 and 2021, Proverbs 29 25. The fear of man bringeth a snare. We are not to fear what man can do unto us. We ultimately answer to God. And so then the fear of man. Now finally, we've seen the design, the deployment, the danger as we wrap up. What about the deliverance? Is there any way to stay out of these snares? Is there any way to get out of one if you're in one? Praise God, the answer is yes. Number one, we avoid. The first three points are about how to avoid a snare. And our final point is how God gets us out of it. All right, the deliverance from a snare. Number one, we must know that the Lord is present in our lives. Meaning this, you stay out of a snare by listening to his voice. The Lord Jesus Christ will never snare you. He'll never trap you. The the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. If you're in a snare, you're not free to obey God. But where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. So, number one, you've got to know you've been born again. You're not going to stay out of a snare if you don't have confidence of the presence of God. If you're born again, you need assurance of your salvation. Here's why. You've got to know the Lord is present with you before you can listen to Him directing you. If you're filled with fear of being saved or not being saved, you're not sure if the Lord is dwelling within you or not, how are you going to hear His voice? You cannot. Psalm 91, here's what what David said in verses 2 and 3. Psalm 91, verses 2 and 3, talks about what would deliver him from a snare is knowing the Lord's presence and direction in his life. Psalm 91, he says, He that dwelleth, verse 1, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. May I say this is more than just knowing he's present, but it's staying near him in fellowship. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Verse 2, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Verse 3, Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and the noise and pestilence. Can I give you some very, 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 very practical advice you want to stay out of snares? Stay in your Bible and maintain your prayer closet. The greatest snare of my Christian life came after I neglected both. I was hearing my own thoughts more than I was hearing his. I was hearing my own fears more than I was hearing his. I was hearing my own emotions more than I could hear his voice because I wasn't listening. Was he still dwelling in me? Oh, yes. But I'd crowded him out. You have to listen intentionally. You have to be in the secret place. You know where Jesus said to go to pray? Go into your closet. You know what that is? That's a secret place where it's just you and the Lord and you are thanking Him, praising Him, confessing to Him, petitioning Him. Maintain the secret place with God. Say, I don't want to be snared. Then stay in God's Word and stay in prayer. Watch ye and pray lest ye enter into temptation. What temptation is? It's a snare. The Spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. So, number one, you have to stay in the presence of the Lord. If you're, number one, he must be present in you, and then you must, through fellowship, meaning submission, obedience, and making room in your heart and mind for his word, staying in your Bible, staying in prayer, when he reveals to you something is disagreeable to him in your life, quickly agree with him. Stay close to the Lord. Amen? We should never get in arguments with God. Amen? We do, but we shouldn't. So stay close to the Lord. All right, the Lord's presence. Number two, of course, then, is the Lord's precepts. As you're in His presence, He's going to communicate to you from His Word. He's going to communicate if His Holy Spirit is dwelling in you what direction you should take. May I say this? The path of life is laid out by the commandments of God. How do I know what decisions to make? Always make decisions in obedience to the Lord, in agreement with Him. Psalm 119, verse 10. Psalm 119, verse 10 says this. Verse 110, excuse me. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet... I erred not from thy precepts. Meaning they had the snare set, but I didn't step out of obedience to your will. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 14. Proverbs 13, verse 14 says, The law of the wise is a fountain of life to depart 
from the snares of death. If you've lived very long as a child of God, there's been a time where what you knew was God's will for your life, you wrestled with whether or not that's what you wanted to do. There has to be a putting of your will on the altar of His will. You have to give your body a living sacrifice to say, you know what, I'll let God direct how my life is lived. It's called losing your life, that you may fulfill the life He has for you. You know why that should be done? That's where safety is at. You'll stay out of the snares of the devil by following and walking in obedience to the Lord. The law of the wise is a fountain of life. Depart from the snares of death. And Proverbs 14, 27 says this, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. And the question, quick question, is the law of the wise a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death or is the fear of the Lord? The answer is yes. If you don't fear the Lord, His law means nothing to you. But the fear of the Lord is a treasure, the Bible says in the book of Isaiah. To have a respect for God that says, I, I'll be honest with you, Sarah, are you scared of anything? I'm scared of getting out of God's will. So you shouldn't be scared of that. He'll keep you there. I don't mean scared like in a, in a phobia sense. I mean, I know outside of His will, there's dangers. But I want to stay right where He wants me to be in obedience. And so then, the Lord's precepts, read, regarded, retained, and obeyed, is where you're going to find safety. Here's the point. Here's the path, the picture the Bible paints. There are snares everywhere. And you can't know where all the snares are because they've been secretly laid for you. You can know where they're not. You can never know where the snares are, but you can be sure where they're not. They're not in the path of obedience to God. You will never get the wrong job by obeying the principles of the Bible. You'll not marry the wrong mate by obeying the principles of the Bible. You'll not be in a wrong church by obeying the principles of the Bible. You say, bad things won't happen. That's not what I said. He'll take you through storms and difficulties. But you'll never encounter a snare of the devil in the will of God. It's when we get out of His will. You'll never be able to identify where all the snares are, but you can know with certainty they are not in the path of obedience to God. And so the Lord's presence, His precepts, His path for your life is how to avoid them. Psalm 141, verse 9. Keep me from the snares which they have laid for me and the gins of the workers of iniquity. In Psalm 142, verse 3. Psalm 142, verse 3. When my spirit was overwhelmed, we read this earlier, then thou knewest my path in the way wherein I walked, have they privily laid a snare for me? He said, I, I was snares where I was walking, but the Lord knew the path he needed to take, and so it is for us. But then the final question is, what if I'm in a snare? Okay, we've, we've talked about how to stay out of it, stay close to the Lord, obey his precepts, stay on his path, his declared will for your life. Someone may say, I left that. I knew this is the way I should conduct myself, and I disregarded it, believing my little decision of disobedience was harmless. And I'm still in the same place I was. Tackled and tied down to a certain spiritual place in my life and I can't get free. I can't seem to get back on the path God has for me. Second Timothy 2, we'll close where we started. Second Timothy chapter 2. This goes in conjunction with last week's message. It says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, verse 24, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure, through the meekness and instruction of the Word of God, through a servant of the Lord, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. You know what God does? In His mercy, He turns the light on through the instruction of His Word, and He'll use a servant of the Lord, another human being in our lives, to flip a light on and show you where you're snared. And repentance is when the Spirit of God comes down and says, now this is what you've believed that's a lie. And if you'll take my truth, it will release you. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We are snared wherever we've believed a lie of Satan. And what the Word of God does is he sheds light, and he says, right here's where it's at. Quit tugging, quit pulling, quit trying to jerk yourself out. Listen to me. Do you realize the answer getting out is the same as keeping out? Listen closely to the voice of the shepherd, and he will release that snare. That's what repentance is. When God shows us, you disagreed with me when you thought this. I mean, you know that every one of our thoughts are to be brought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You know where we get snared? Where we keep our thoughts in disobedience to Christ. And the Lord begins to show us, this is where you think this, but I said this. You know what repentance is? When we say, well, because I thought something that you, that you said is wrong, I was wrong. And Lord, I agree, you're right. Ooh, all of a sudden, you're free. How many of you have ever been released from a snare? You know exactly the process I'm talking about. You got somewhere, I'm hung up in my life. Why can't I not go forward? 
Why can I not go forward in my life with the Lord? What's going on? And the Lord, through the preaching and teaching of His Word, through His counsel, shows you this is where you're hung up. And if you'll take my word, I'll release the snare for you. Let me say this. You may be in this room and have been snared, and the Spirit of God has been trying to show you you are snared. And here's where it is. Here's what you believe. Here's what you think that is false. Take God's word. You know what, you know what repentance really is? Taking God's word and God's mind against ourselves. Because we, when we're opposing ourselves, we've got to take his word to quit doing that. Many times what we believe is what's ruining us. It's what's damaging us. We need to believe what God says, not what we feel, not what we think, not what we justify, not what we rationalize. When we say, God, what you said is right. My thoughts are not that, and I did not take seriously your word. I believe with all my heart in 2 Timothy 2, he's talking about Christians, believers, who've opposed themselves. They believed a lie, but you know what? I'm a living testament. The Lord can release you from a snare. And the release button is called repentance. I said last night, repentance is a gift from God. Not something he fought against. This morning you say, I perceive I'm snared. What do I do? Ask the Lord to show pity. (laughs) If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. You may be, while this message is being preached, saying, I know exactly where I'm captivated but I don't know exactly where it was and what I believe that got me into the snare I'm in. Pray God, Lord, give me repentance. Give me. Re- I think I asked last week, how many have ever prayed? Lord, would you give me repentance? <laughs> it's a good thing to pray for. Amen? Amen. This morning, maybe you're not in a snare. If not, we have some wisdom from God how to avoid it. Very, very practical. Stay close to the Lord. Stay in your prayer closet. Stay in the secret place with God. Mind His Word. Stay in His will. This morning you say, I'm snared. Maybe this morning the Lord is working to release you from that. May I say this? Just listen to him. Submit to him. He'll never never snare you. He'll never hurt you. He'll pull you out of that snare, get you back on the right path. 